and welcome to Let's Talk Business UK's premier programme for current and future entrepreneurs. I'm Alan Coote. On the programme this week, we have a crowdfunding special for you. We'll chat to two different entrepreneurs who have crowdfunded for their business. In one case, it didn't go smoothly. What did they learn, though? How could you improve on what they achieved? We have their fascinating stories coming up. Plus, it's difficult to get your message heard amongst all the other competing businesses. You probably know this. So when a chance comes along to go on the TV or radio, how do you make the most of your opportunity? We talk to a broadcaster and media trainer later to get his top tips. So just before we get on with the show, I've got a moment to tell you about our Ultimate Business Startup video course. You can get to it by going to our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. That's letstalkbusinessonline.com. I mentioned that several times throughout the show. It's going to really help you if you want to get up and running really quickly. It's got lots and lots of ideas in there about how you can access customers and how you can position your product so it's something that somebody's going to really want to buy from you. All of those sorts of ideas are included in the course. And to get to it, as I say, you can go to our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. That's letstalkbusinessonline.com. All right. Let's get on with the show. I'm really pleased to welcome back in the studio Hattie Fawcett. Now, regular listeners to the show or to our podcast will know that Hattie helps new companies get investor ready. That means being prepared for, amongst other things, crowdfunding. Hattie's knowledge of crowdfunding comes firsthand because she successfully crowdfunded her business, which was called Seek and Adore. This was an online marketplace for small businesses so that they could sell their clothing, jewellery and fashion accessories and so on and so forth. Let's get right to it straight away. Why, Hattie, did you choose to take the crowdfunding route for your business? Crowdfunding was a real journey for us. We probably made every mistake in the book. When we were raising crowdfunding, it was back in 2013, and crowdfunding was still quite a young, disruptive technology. So there wasn't a huge amount of information on how to do it. There weren't tons of people I could ask for advice, so we had to do it and make mistakes along the way. And we did. We made loads of mistakes. But as you say, we were ultimately successful. But it took us two goes. We first went and attempted to raise 250000 on Crowdcube in May 2013, or May and June 2013. And that's a crowdfunding site that is giving away shares, that's not right. rewards. That's right. You offer shares and investors come and review your pitch, and if they like it, they're buying shares in your business. Okay. And we, we attempted to raise 250 by June 2013. We didn't manage that. What was that 250,000 for, though? We were looking to extend our team. We were looking to increase our marketing budget and really test some new channels to market and also to develop our website. And how new was your business at that point? We had been trading for about 18 months. The business was two years old effectively at that point. I'd founded the business with my own life savings. And then a year after we had begun trading, we received 150000 from a single angel investor. So we had had funding. We were growing fast. We were, a, we were a successful business, still very much early stage, but growing fast. So that 150 from the angel investor, the first one, 
was really useful. And and then d- did you consume all that money and thought, oh my goodness gracious me, now we need some more. We can't go back to the same guy. We always knew we would need more money. In fact, when we had raised the 150,000, we'd thought we would need 400,000. So our 250,000 that we went to raise on Crowdcube was, if you like, the completion of a round that had started a year earlier. And that's very often the way with raising money for startups and early stage businesses. You know what you need and you take it where it comes. <laughs> so the Crowdcube funding pitch that you did was for the second tranche of your startup money. Yeah. It was for 150000 you were successful with that? So, so sorry, we went into Crowdcube to raise 250000 The 250, right. Yeah. So, okay, big money. Uh, yes, and, and we weren't successful. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. I think, yes, it probably was big money in those days. Not now. I mean, you regularly see businesses <laughs> raising a million or so on Crowdcube now. But this was early days for Crowdcube. It was still an untested and maybe not totally proven technology. So we did find some reticence for investors to go uh, invest in that way. But which, we're only talking, what, three, four years ago? Yeah, we're talking, yeah, th- three three years ago. I, you know, I don't think you'd find that now, though. The technology is much more proven. It's established route to raising investment now. But that was part of the problem for us. I think also we didn't understand what it took to raise crowdfunding. We knew we needed to get the ball rolling with our crowdfunding campaign, so we did do a marketing campaign around it. But we didn't know how much money we needed to have achieved to be pledged into our crowdfunding campaign. We had hoped we'd found an investor who would put in 50,000, so 25% of our total, and we had hoped that would be enough to get the crowd following, but in effect it wasn't at that stage. So that was an issue for us. Okay, your second attempt to get money, and this time via Crowdcube, was unsuccessful ultimately. Yes, that's right. Uh, And you didn't give up then? No. Obviously you didn't get up because we know that you were successful. What happened next? So, well, yeah, it was it was quite a moment. We were obviously frustrated because we had raised 130,000 towards our target of 250. But under the rules of crowdfunding, unless you raise the full amount, you don't get any of it. It's harsh, but it is fair for investors, I think. So you had this carrot of 130,000 pounds that was almost equivalent to what you'd had previously to start the company from the first angel and that then disappears because you haven't reached that £250,000 target. You must have felt really, really depressed on that day. I'm not going to lie. It was a frustrating day. (laughs) But it's part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, you look at what you have achieved and you go, okay, what do we need to do? to do it differently and that's what we did as a team we regrouped we looked at the feedback we were getting from the investors we had been talking to and a lot of them were saying 250,000 is a lot of money you haven't proven all your routes to market yet so we took heed of that feedback and we said okay we'll go for 50,000 and we'll focus just on our marketing channels with that 50,000. All right okay what we'll do is we'll take a quick break there and we'll come back and we'll see a little bit later on in the show how successful that you were. 
A bit over a year ago, Tom Ball offered investors the opportunity to get involved in his business. It's called Near Desk. A couple of weeks before he was about to launch Let's Talk Businesses, Debbie Tarrier spoke to Tom about his experiences with crowdfunding. She started by asking him to explain his idea. So the, the idea first started 15 years ago. I started to see how they were building housing developments and they build these wonderful villages and there'd be nowhere where you could meet another human. So this theory that in the future we would work at home and get sad and lonely and not be able to, to meet each other. And so we'd end up making more commutes than we needed to. We wouldn't know our neighbours and some, something should be done about this. And about two years I, I thought I should, I should actually do something about it. I spent a lot of time trying to work out what, what was missing in the market, what would, what would make a difference and realised that somebody somewhere should create an Oyster card for renting office space by the hour so it was easy to use spaces that were already opening. So it's like a, a sort of user-friendly friendly like these large offices you see that are serviced offices is that the kind of thing exactly exactly i mean it's actually it's a very fragmented market the biggest players only got six percent of the market there's lots of them out there and it's make it easy to use them what made you go down the crowdfunding route I think we're quite lucky that we had quite a few options open to us and we, we spent some time thinking what made sense and just everything that we're doing is about partnership working and about enabling community. To so actually have investors that were part of that crowd just made a lot of sense and then we looked at the different platforms and worked out what was going to work for us. So are you fully funded now and off the ground? Uh, yes, we went live two weeks ago, so uh, yeah, very exciting. Okay, well, what's the um, biggest piece of advice you would give somebody who's considering using crowdfunding? It's not an easy option and the easiest thing I can... Uh, compare it to is if you're selling tickets for an event if it's hot it's hot if everyone's going everyone goes but you need to get that inertia and you need to get that momentum so if you look on for example cedars on most days there'll be there'll be 60 things on there to invest in there'll only be three that are over 10 percent which means if you're not one of those three you're going to get a lot less attention so it's your job to get the first 10 percent then the crowd will start to join in and strangers will start to invest as well and would you go down this route again if you started back where you were before there are different tools for different jobs. I think crowdfunding is a very powerful tool. I'd happily use it again. It fits with certain business ideas more. It needs to be something that people can get their head around and can support. But again, that's if you're selling something, that's the same problem that you've got there. There's been things on there funded that you wouldn't expect to be funded, such as you know a bakery oven. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of a few of these crowdfunding sites, but what made you choose Cedars for your venture? We looked at a lot of different platforms and there's advantages, disadvantages. The biggest thing was, did we want to raise equity or to pre-sell like a Kickstarter model where you can sell things before you've made them? Because of our margins aren't big enough to be able to give a decent discount on things, so that didn't seem to make sense, so it felt like we'd go equity. And then the different equity platforms we looked at, there was only one that had a nominee structure. And what that means is, even though 165 people chose to invest, we've only got one shareholder and they managed that on behalf. Otherwise, you need 165 signatures to do something and it, it, it closes off other options later on. Why do you think your business idea or your venture was successful in getting the funding? I, I think it was probably two things. that People could see as a user how useful it would be. And then as a business, they could see the power of building that ecosystem and having it being that layer in between hopefully a million users, 5,000 venues. Uh, and so they just really bought into the size of the vision and, and the fact that it was, it was achievable. Did you say 5,000 venues? Is that what you're aiming towards? That's the aim. There's 2,725 business centres in the UK. There's over 3,000 venues. And let's say the biggest market player, the best known brand that people would know, only has 6% of that. And the idea is that people can go and use this dip in, dip out, one day a week or whenever they feel like, you know, rather than commuting, then they can pop into a near desk. 
Exactly. Uh, the, the big idea is that if you work at a large bank in Canary Wharf, rather than going there five days a week, maybe you go there three or four days a week and you'd work near home. So imagine if, if there were 20% fewer people on your train in the morning. Imagine if there were 20% fewer people in a traffic jam. It wouldn't make a 20% difference. It would mean that you could, you could also get rid of congestion. So you're aiming it towards um, individuals, but also the, the large corporates as well then? Exactly. We're hoping it will start from word of mouth and that people will, will hear about it and start to use it and then it will start to go up the organisation. Okay, well, it sounds great and I wish you every success. If somebody wants to find out more about you or about Neardesk, how can they get in touch? If you just go to neardesk.com, hopefully that will tell them everything they need to know. And if we're not near them yet, then sign up anyway and we will be soon. Okay, so if someone wants to have one in their area, they can actually register on there and say, please set one up in my area. Exactly. And it's much easier for us to go to a venue and say we've got three people wanting to use you rather than just going to them cold. That's Let's Talk Business's Debbie Tarrier. She was talking to Tom Ball from Near Desk. Now, I'm pleased to say that Near Desk has gone on from strength to strength since we recorded that interview. It currently has 250 locations available around the country. We've put links to the Cedar crowdfunding site and Near Desk on our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. Listen to Let's Talk Business UK's premier programme for current and future entrepreneurs. I'm Alan Coote. Still to come, we'll pick up a game with Hattie Fawcett to find out more about her experience trying to crowdfund for her new business. Where we left it was that she had been unsuccessful. So what happened next? Plus, what should you do if you have the opportunity to appear on the radio, TV or in the press? Hopefully not run a mile. It could be the best opportunity you have for promoting yourself, your cause or your business. We talked to a broadcaster and media trainer to find out if there are a few simple tricks that you can use. As always on Let's Talk Business, we'll be delighted to hear from you. All you need to do to get in touch with us is go to our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. You can also find us on Facebook. It's going stormingly on Facebook. Thank you very much. Thousands of people liking our page. Always be good to have a few more. If you head over to Facebook, just type in Let's Talk Business and you should find our page. If not, you can follow it from our website, of course. And I just have time to mention that we're also on Twitter at LTB Show, at LTB Show, if you want to get in touch. And the sort of things we're looking for is if you've got a great business idea and would like to tell a few people about it, then please get in touch with us via those communication channels and we'll see what we can do for you. Anyway, right, let's get on with the show. Have you ever turned down the opportunity to talk to the media, radio, TV or press about you, your cause or the company you work for because you were worried about making a mistake and how you might come across? This lack of confidence is shared by many of the country's top business leaders, would you believe? You may be one of them. Now, to help, joining me on the line is broadcaster and media trainer Paul Pennington. Paul appears regularly on radio stations across the country presenting a programme called Word on Health. He's got a new app out and we'll talk about that in a moment. Paul, I regularly see the same few issues from our guests when I interview them. And I wonder if you see those too. Where do you think business leaders are going wrong? There's two things that business leaders do wrong. And the first thing is preparation. They don't do their preparation correctly. Uh, One of the key things that I put across in my media training sessions, the three key messages are preparation, preparation, preparation. They don't understand the media. They don't know the media. They don't listen to the various mechanisms that they're going to appear on, like this show. Listen to it first. Hear the style of the interview. Know what you're going to be asked before you get in there. 
Don't overcomplicate things. And have three key messages, three things that you want the audience to remember when you leave the interview. People overcomplicate things. I always say to my students, keep it simple, stupid. Sealed with a kiss. Make things easier for yourself. It's easier to understand for the listener and it's a lot easier for the interviewer to understand as well. Do you find that business owners try to incorporate too many things? You mentioned the three points there. They actually throw the kitchen sink at it. Do you think that business owners or those that are communicating on behalf of business should look at their marketing plan before coming in? Very much so. And I think, first of all, you have to prepare for yourself a standard question and answer document. What is it you do? Who do you do it for? The very simple things, because, again, you've only got a limited amount of time on air, dependent on Uh, certainly on radio, what time of the day, what time of program that you're on. And you may miss the opportunity talking about things that you don't want to talk about until you get to the very point that you do. So the key, first of all, is take a stand back, look at what it is you're doing, look at what you want to get across and decide before you go into this studio or talk to the journalist. And if you're not sure, ask beforehand, what's the focus of this interview? What are the questions are you likely to ask me? And prepare. Everything that I cover in my app, which people can get freely, you'll understand from those simple rules and regulations it's actually very easy to be a very good media interviewee but it does take thought it does take preparation do you think nerves plays a part with people always the thing about the media is is that when we speak to lovely people like yourself we're not expecting a a positive situation we kind of think that john humphreys and jeremy paxman (laughs) are going to jump on us and that you're going to ask us about everything that we don't want to talk about you know auntie mabel that ran away with the milkman the difficulties that we've had with business we overcomplicate things for ourselves it's an opportunity to shine you're not being put in front of a firing squad you're on our side the interviewer wants to have a good quality interview they don't necessarily want to be a smart aleck about it they want to be supportive and of course they've got a a duty of care to their audience to keep the flow of the interview going so uh, again don't overcomplicate things for yourself keep things simple and uh, then you mentioned uh, the three key points so before you did uh, the interview here and preparing for it paul what were your three key points the first key point is go to our website, www.oneononetrading.co.uk, and click through to download our free app from either iPhone or Google Play. It's there for you, and by doing so and getting in touch with us using the promo code on that app, you can get 15% off our fees. The second one was to say, look, don't overcomplicate things for yourself. Media opportunities are great opportunities. To be able to promote your business on this show, Alan, what a fantastic opportunity for business leaders to be able to get their enterprise across to potential customers. And the third thing is, it's okay to get it wrong sometimes. People do. Practice makes perfect, which you can do by booking a training session with us here at One on One Training. There you go. That's, that's how it's done. <laughs> that's how it's done. Quickly, before you go, Paul, about the app. It's a free app uh, on what, iOS, uh, Apple and, and Android, is it? It is, yeah. It's optimised, I believe the technical expression is, <laughs> for iPhone 5 and above and Android versions 4 and above. You can use it on both the iPhone, the iPad, the Android phone and the tablet as well. Marvellous. Thanks for those tips. I'll take those. Actually, I've written them all down myself. And download the app, Alan. You could learn something. (laughs) Absolutely. All the best. 
Hattie Force is with me. Now, earlier on, we were talking about your crowdfunding experience. Hattie was the founder and director of Seek and Adore, which was an online marketplace for designers uh, creating jewellery and uh, home wear and fashions and those sorts of things. I think I've described that correctly, haven't I? Now, I did use the past tense in there. I'm going to come to that in a little bit. We're on the crowdfunding route, and previously we heard that you'd tried to get 250000 from Crowdcube selling equity in your business. That was unsuccessful. You've then regrouped, and you're going for a significantly less amount of money, 50000 this time. First of all, why did you choose to go for such a significantly lower amount when you'd already reached 130000 although you couldn't take it out of Crowdcube because you hadn't reached 250000 if you see what I mean? Yeah. So one of the first things we did was take on board the feedback from investors and why we were struggling to reach that 250 target. And we got very clear feedback that they didn't feel all our marketing channels were tried and tested yet. So we said, okay, that's what we'll focus on. And we went for a smaller amount of money, partly because we weren't going to make all the other changes that we had planned to do with the larger amount of money. We thought, let's prove our marketing first. And we reckoned we needed 50,000 to do that. The second thing we did was we spoke to those investors who had invested in us in that first unsuccessful round and we asked them whether they would be willing to come back. And the biggest blow for us was that our largest investor from the first round who had offered us £50,000 decided that he wouldn't be rejoining us with our second attempt at crowdfunding. Things had moved on for him. He had found other businesses he wanted to invest in. He still supported us as a business, but time moves on and, and that is the trouble when when you try to go back. Right, so this is just two months later though, so he'd had a very much a change of heart as much as anything. Investors are getting new opportunities all the time and, and that is one of the challenges for an entrepreneur to realise their interest while they are still interested and before another carrot comes along and dangles in front of them. Yeah, so things change very rapidly. So now you're about to put this pitch in for yep. 50,000, was it? That's right, 50,000. We were going for 50,000 pounds and offering 10% of the equity in our business for that. And we did everything we could, absolutely everything. We spoke to all our existing, the people who had pledged under our first Crowdcube campaign. We went out to a whole load of other potential investors, friends and family, suppliers, customers, people we worked with, people who knew us in a professional capacity. And we also targeted a range of high net worth individuals as well. The phrase is you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince. And I certainly kissed a lot of frogs. (laughs) (laughs) How many people are we talking about that actually funded so we, this time on Crowdcube, we were successful. We actually overfunded. We wanted to raise 50000 and we managed to raise 70000 And luckily, you can keep the extra. They don't take that away. <laughs> and that was from 62 different investors. 62. Okay, so that's actually in the big scheme of things, not a, that many no. uh, people, and really. The interesting thing for me was that we also managed to galvanise the crowd this time round. So I knew just over 50% of those investors, either personally or I got to know them through a pitching process. But 47% of the people who invested in us that time round, I had no idea who they were at all. So there's this phrase that the crowd follows the money in crowdfunding. And it was true for us. We had to galvanise a crowd and prime our pump by getting some of the investors to invest. But then people we had no idea who they were came and followed the money and invested in us. You didn't change much of your pitch, it sounds to me. 
Not hugely. The story of our business had not moved on hugely in two months. There was still a strong story to be told. And the only change really that we were making was the reduced amount of money and then focusing our attention on what that money would be used for. We had prioritised and focused. And then that reduced the amount of money that you're asking for. Then you're a success. We got this 70,000. So now with that 70,000 pounds, were you able to execute your business and, and actually do what you said you were going to do? We absolutely did. We, we got the money in the bank by the end of September and we immediately, in fact, whilst we were fundraising, we had already started the process of developing a direct mail campaign, which was a really key plank, if you like, in our marketing strategy. And we produced a 25-page catalogue, can you believe it? A printed catalogue, even in these days of digital marketing. And we sent it to 50,000 people and it was our most successful marketing campaign ever and converted really well. So we had a very good Christmas, which was what we had hoped to do. Right. Now, we'll come back to the lessons learned in a, in a second on that. I just want to touch on what happened to the business. Mm. It's no longer running. No, that's right. We had a successful Christmas. Sales were strong. Our direct mail... Uh, and we're talking about 2000 and... So this is Christmas 2013. Okay. And so in January 2014, we were back looking at, well, how do we now raise the remainder of the money we know we will need for the business? And the challenge for us at that point was not so much the issue around marketing. People could see the direct mail was going to work for us. But the market had moved on and two very key competitors for us received venture capital funding. And so not on the high street had received venture capital funding. An American player, Etsy, had moved into the UK. Both those competitors were now able to afford TV advertising. And we did not have the budget for TV advertising. And investors looked at us and said, can see that you're doing well, got a nice business, like it, but I don't see how you can compete with the deep pockets of your two biggest competitors. And they were probably right. And that happens. You know, if somebody's going to come on and they have deeper pockets, they're always going to win. They may not be as profitable as you were going to be. Okay, well, it's not an entirely bad story because you have learnt a lot, obviously, through this exercise of crowdfunding. What have you learnt? What are the key things? So I think um, the key things for me are that crowdfunding is not a quick win. There we were foolishly thinking the first time round the money would come rolling in. It does not come rolling in without a huge effort on your part. You need to prime your pump. You need to make sure that you've got investors lined up who the minute your crowdfunding pitch goes live will start pledging towards your target. The crowd will follow the money, but the money has to be there for them to follow. And this is people, I think that you're saying that you've already tapped up for some money in the nicest possible way and you're directing them to go to the crowdfunding site and say, go there, don't give me the money directly into my bank, go to the crowdfunding site and do it. So you're actually giving away a little bit of that money to the crowdfunding site itself because they take a margin. And- that, that is absolutely true. But so it is with most forms of raising investment. If you went to an angel network, they would take a percentage of any money raised. And so it, it's a fairly standard cost of raising investment, whichever way you do it. The way I looked at it is the um, ability of the investor to invest via Crowdcube in our circumstance or the crowdfunding platform actually gave us a double win. It gave us their money and it worked hard for us because it meant our crowdfunding campaign remained top of the algorithm. I was on the homepage of the crowdfunding site. So other investors saw us and came and joined the crowd. 
Got you. So actually, it's worth giving that percentage away just to get that position because then you're more likely to get the rest of the investment that you need and maybe exceed like you did the target instead of 50, you got to 70,000. That was our experience, yes. Well, that's an amazing story. What are you doing now, though? You're not running this business any longer. It's gone. These days, I help businesses raise money for investment. So I work with all sorts of early stage startup and small businesses, helping them get first business ready and then investor ready, and then helping them find real live investors. Hattie, it's brilliant. Thank you very much for sharing that story with us and uh, the very best of luck with that. Thank you. And Hattie's details will be up on our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com by the time you've heard this. Remember, if you are thinking about starting a business or you're in the first throes of your business and you want to give it a little bit more focus, then you can head over to our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. Got lots of information up there that can help you, including well over 170 podcasts and bits of information that are up there on our website. Loads and loads of blog posts as well. It's all up on our website, letstalkbusinessonline.com. That is it. We are actually out of time, unfortunately, for today's programme. It has been fantastic having you with us. Thank you very much to my guests as well for coming along and contributing. It really has been an exciting show. If you want to know a little bit more about Crowd funding again our website is the place to go let's talk business online.com we've got more information coming up for you in the next few weeks on the show about crowdfunding and in fact all sorts of funding for your early stages of your business and we've got those startup videos as well it's all there on our website let's talk business online.com be delighted to hear from you in the various ways that you can do that on twitter at ltb show on facebook just type in let's talk business you can find us on google as well by typing in the same thing let's talk business i'm alan coot you can find me on twitter at the alan coot this program was edited by sean burns it's a monogram media production we'll see you next time Bye.